Run the Film is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. After more than a month away from home, the Raiders are finally coming back to Oakland to take on a Detroit Lions, so make sure you check that game out. And if you want to go get some great tickets, check out Game Time. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Man, you gotta get a you gotta get a, a cheat sheet or something. That's terrible. That'll kill us. You like that? You like that? I'm just about that action, boss. You cannot lose games in the NFL and still win. You are listening to Run the Film with Kirk Morrison and Ted Wynn, only on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Run the Film alongside my guy Ted Nguyen. I'm Kirk Morrison. And this uh, is your weekly podcast. We call it Run the Film. Week eight is now behind us. We approach week nine. We're halfway through the season. Still a ton of questions that we need to get answered. There's been the trades, trade deadline. As we tape this podcast, it is still some open uh, open hours left for the trade deadline before some teams just say, you know what, we roll what we got or we go make a move. Then we still have our players to watch. We'll recap a couple games from week number eight, and we'll look ahead to week number nine. But I guess to kind of start right now, Ted, with you, we're I basically call it the halfway point in the NFL season. We kind of understand the teams who are, you know, contenders. We kind of know the teams who are pretenders and guys who are teams who are selling. But as we start to look at right now, just the NFL overall, and you look at the standings right now, and we, I guess let's start right here in the AFC because I think that's kind of the easy one. When you look at just the AFC North, the East, South, West, all of them, right now, how do you see this, I guess, the number one overall seed, the number two seed right now in the AFC before we go division to division? Yeah, I mean, right now, the two top teams in the uh, AFC are, you know, the Patriots and... KC was, you know, probably the the runaway favorite for the second, but right now with um, Patrick Mahomes hurt, they just dropped the game against Green Bay. Uh, so Baltimore looks like, or Indianapolis looks like the second team. So they hold the tiebreaker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there'll be a little bit of a battle for uh, second place, especially when Mahomes comes back. Uh, but it looks like the four division winners are probably going to be. Uh, the Patriots, the Ravens, uh, the Colts. Uh, but the Colts, the AFC South is, is pretty competitive with uh, Houston and even Jacksonville and, and the Titans being 4-4. Four and four. So there's a chance, you know, if if the Colts or uh, the Texans kind of drop off uh, and one of those bottom teams like the Jaguars or Titans start playing well, they might be able to get themselves back in the race as well. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking at the AFC right now. And I've always said it was going to be a two-team race, right? We saw it last year in the AFC Championship game, New England and also Kansas City. Did those teams make, make upgrades in the offseason that 
can kind of say, you know what? I can see them again playing in January. I thought the Kansas City Chiefs did do that. They made upgrades. They traded, not traded, but they went out and got some guys, right? They went out and got McCole Hardman, you know, in the draft, the kid out of uh, out of Georgia. Obviously, they re-signed Tyreek Hill, but they've developed other guys. Demarcus Robinson, another player. You're like, man, where are they getting these guys from? They get LaShawn uh, McCoy from Buffalo. All right, add to the running back ranks. They've already got a couple Williams guys back there already, but... To me, they bolstered up the offense, right? And even with the injury to Patrick Mahomes, I still felt like this team uh, is still a the number two team in the AFC. But they have to continue to prove it, to continue to prove it year in and year, I mean, week in and week out, because they have dropped three games. They're almost in danger where if they drop another game or two, I don't know if they're going to get that number two seed. I think it's a little bit different. I was at the AFC championship game last year. And I just thought that with Kansas City being at home, that was their best chance to win the game and get to the Super Bowl. If they have to go on the road, which right now likely looks like the road to the Super Bowl 54 in Miami is going to grow through Foxborough, that's going to be a tough place to play. New England at home, AFC Championship, if the way that things are playing out to it, to me, it's almost to a point where the New England obviously is the favorite, but I don't know if anyone can dethrone them having to go to Foxborough. No, they're going to be extremely tough to play at home. I mean, we, we know about how tough that de- cover zero blitz defense is, and it'll be even tougher when you, you know, you're playing on the road against a, a rowdy crowd and you can't hear and you're, you're having to face that, those kind of blitzes. It's, it's extremely difficult. And, and for the Chiefs, they have, it's not going to get easier. Matt Moore will probably start another week, even though it looks like Patrick Mahomes is healing at kind of a freakish rate. Uh, but they're playing the Vikings next, and that's not going to be an easy game. Yeah, it's going to be a, a definitely one of the tough ones. As we focus on the divisions real quick in the AFC before we head over to the NFC, which I just looked at, uh, man, I just cannot predict the NFC at all. But the AFC, we look at the, the, the divisions, right? I would say AFC East pretty much wrapped up. New England Patriots, they will win the AFC East. Buffalo, I think, will win a couple more games, but I can easily see Buffalo finishing about 10 and 6, maybe even 11 and 5. They still have one more game against the Patriots, but I do see the Buffalo Bills as a playoff team. Do you not? Yeah, I think the the Bills are going to lock up one of those wild card spots. Okay, so now we got the Bills. So that's two teams we think making it out of the AFC East. The AFC North, uh, I just. I, I love Baltimore. I really have all season long. They won some big games on the road. Now they've had a couple hiccups, and I understand though. They lost to Kansas City. They lost to Cleveland. I thought the Cleveland game was probably one of the Cleveland's best games they've played all season long. But when it comes down to it, I just like the way that Baltimore plays defensively. I love the packages and what Greg Roman has been able to do with Lamar Jackson. Pittsburgh, I just I watched them on Monday Night Football. They don't really excite me defensively. They definitely picked it up, but you know, Mason Rudolph is still a guy who's going to grow within his offense. He's not, you know, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Cleveland, same thing. They are just, uh, they are a team that, look, their schedule does lighten up in the second half of the season, but I still don't see them, like, making the playoffs this year at all. I think they're an 8-8 eight and eight team at best, maybe 9-7, and seven, but I don't know if that's going to get them in the playoffs. And like we, uh, we talked about a little bit uh, before the show started today, uh, Ryan Finley will be the starting quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. That tells me one thing, Ted. You know what that tells me? 
they've got 2020 vision. All right. They're already looking to 2020, baby, because you start a, a young rookie quarterback at this point in the season. You're not trying to you're not trying to get back. You're trying to see what you have, because possibly you could be in a situation of drafting at the top of the draft come next season. Uh, AFC South, Indianapolis, Houston, Jacksonville, Tennessee. Uh, I'm still leaning towards Houston, Ted. I, I think Houston is going to be the team that comes out right now. My halfway point, I think they've played uh, – they've been not necessarily up and down, but when I look at this team just in general and what they can do down the stretch, I think Houston overtakes Indianapolis, but Indianapolis is that second playoff team. Yeah, I, I can see that. And, you know, you, you always want to bet with the – with the better quarterback and Deshaun Watson just playing at such a high level right now that I could definitely see him carrying this team to win the the AFC South. Uh, They still have some question marks at the number two receiver spot because uh, when Will Fuller's hurt, they just don't play as well offensively. And uh, Kenny Stills just didn't look that good against the Raiders last week. Uh, So I think that's a, Big question mark. If Will Fuller is healthy or if Kenny Stills could step up, um, I think it'll make life a lot easier on Watson. And if that happens, I could definitely see them overtaking uh, the Colts. And uh, the Colts just, their their big weakness is their run defense is so bad right now uh, that it, it gives teams teams chance to kind of control the clock against them. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess I could I could definitely see Houston overtaking uh, the Colts and the Colts becoming a wild card team. And last uh, last division before we head over to NFC, uh, the AFC West. Uh, I think we got Kansas City, um, obviously uh, winning that division. Uh, how? But the Raiders and Chargers—they both sit there. They both got three wins right now. Um, but h- how do you see the Raiders and the Chargers finishing out? Do you think that they can grab that final? Wild card spot. Yeah, I think the the Raiders have a good chance actually because they just went through the toughest part of their schedule, you know, five weeks on a road, including that London trip. Um, so, and their their schedule is going to lighten up a lot. They play Detroit, which is a tough team, and then they play a bunch of losing teams uh, for for the rest of the season. They have to play Kansas City one more time. Uh, but there's a chance they could finish the season really strong and, and make a, a good case for that um, that wild card spot. Yeah, and they still got the Chargers twice too, so it'll be those two teams fighting it out. As we turn to the NFC, though, I, I'm more excited about the NFC, right? Because I think the AFC, we, we still have our favorites, but with the NFC, Ted, I, I really don't know, right? Right now, currently, as it's constructed, I always like to say currently, right now, if the playoffs were to start today. It will be the San Francisco 49ers. That's where the road to the Super Bowl in the NFC would go through Santa Clara. Uh, the New Orleans Saints would also get their first round bye. They will be the two seed. And then you have the wild card games. Green Bay at home taking on Minnesota. And it will be the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Seattle Seahawks. Dallas would be the home team, uh, which we saw that happened last year in the playoffs, by the way. Um, Dallas hosted Seattle. Seattle ended up losing. And then Dallas went on to uh, Los Angeles, and they end up losing in a divisional round. But there's still this bunch of group of teams, right? Teams 7 through 10. Right now, if the playoffs were to start, these teams will not be in. The LA Rams, the Carolina Panthers, Detroit Lions, and Philadelphia Eagles. So as we look through the the, the NFC now, Ted, and I'm looking at kind of the top two teams, there, there's not a, I don't have any gripe about San Francisco, New Orleans, right? 
and Green Bay. I kind of almost want to flip Green Bay and put Green Bay ahead of New Orleans. Some people want to put, you know, New Orleans ahead of Green Bay. Hey, I, I can I can see it both ways. But when you look at the rest of it, uh, of the NFC, I still can make a case for each team on why I think that they can win. Like, I really feel that of the, God, 16 teams, I believe half of them, and that's a little legitimately, I think half of them could be in the NFC Championship. Well, we know two will be, but I can sit and make a reason for at least each team to be in this game. Yeah, there's a lot of good records in the NFC right now, and uh, there's going to be a lot of movement. Uh, you know, right now, um, the, the Niners and uh, New Orleans are on top, like you mentioned, but I could definitely see a scenario where uh, it, it could be completely flipped. Like Green Bay might end up being the, uh, the first seed. And, see, you know, who knows? Maybe Seattle ends up being the second seed. They're only two games at, um, out. They're 6-2 and two right now. Uh, so it, it's a very competitive division. Uh, San Francisco is going to face a much tougher not a much tougher, but they'll face some tougher teams in the second half of the season. Uh, but Drew Brees looked pretty good in his return, too. Uh, so the Saints might be even stronger than they uh, they have been, and they're already uh, 7-1. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. They, they are still strong. Look, Drew Brees came back, came back seamlessly, just was an easy transition. Uh, they played well last week. So I, I look at the NFC, and I'm looking at Minnesota right now, too. That's just a team that – you know, in the NFC North, that with Green Bay and, and Minnesota, they're going to come down to the end. I think Minnesota's just now catching their stride, but we know about Kirk Cousins uh, in prime time, which we know we'll probably see more of down the road. Carolina got embarrassed last week, which, you know, I, I kind of saw that coming a little bit. They kind of got humbled. Kyle Allen did. You know, I don't look, he's had a nice little run, but we'll see what happens throughout the rest of the season. Do they go to Cam Newton if things start to change? But when I when I really just start to look at the divisions, though, right? The, the, when I look at the divisions, though, Ted, I think it's whew, this is tough. Dallas and Philadelphia. I still feel like Philadelphia is the better team. I don't I don't know why. I, and I know people are gonna say the corners and the defense are not the same. What do they do offensively? But I feel like man, you take a big piece of their offense, like Deshaun Jackson out, who's a sturdy, who's a like you know, a big time big play threat. When you take that out of the offense, no one really scares me on that offense, honestly. I mean, no one's, you feel like, oh, it's going to get behind the defense and make the big play. Like, our single white side, no. And, you know, Alshon Jeffrey has just never been a guy who's going to get behind the defense. Um, he's a good red zone target, but he's not the guy that, like, oh, man, we got to make sure we always keep a safety over the top. So I think that that still, to me, I, I still honestly feel like they're a better team than Dallas. I know people say, well, how is that? I just, for some reason, I feel like they have that championship pedigree of a couple seasons ago that they may be able to turn that on. Dallas, I think with the expectations so high each and every week, they got to wear their emotions on their sleeve each and every week. And does I think sometimes it does get to them. They feel that pressure. So I still want to lean to Philadelphia winning that division. NFC North, Wow, got Green Bay, Minnesota. Uh, I think they've kind of separated themselves. Detroit is just always going to be a tough team. They're going to they're going to win some games down the road. I just they won't. I just don't see them making the playoffs. And Chicago, man, um, a hard loss, a heartfelt. I mean, uh, just a hard loss last week to the Chargers. Missed field goal at the end. But Mitch Trubisky, the question marks there. You know, to me, I, I don't know if he's the guy. You know, he was Matt Nagy inherited. A guy like Mr. Trubisky, he did not draft Mr. Trubisky, so this could this be the last season for Mr. Trubisky in Chicago? I would not be surprised. You gotta sometimes you gotta you know suck it up and say you know what we made a bad decision, and that's more the 
the general manager Ryan Pace say, you know what? If we if there's a, a Fromm, if there's a Tua, there's a Herbert, there's somebody else out there, and that's an upgrade for you. Why not do that? So Green Bay, Minnesota in that division for sure. New Orleans in that South to me, obviously they're the cream of the crop. Carolina, I think will struggle. I think we only get one team out of the NFC South this year. I think Carolina at four and three, they sit there, but I think they're going to struggle, you know, down the stretch a little bit. And this is the interesting one, though, Ted. When I get to the NFC West, I really look at through these. I can see the NFC West getting three teams, right? I can see San Francisco, Seattle, and the Rams all making the playoffs. But the only question mark is what happens, like you mentioned, with Minnesota. That's the only, only going to be, I think, the team that can put a thorn in the NFC West side. But right now, San Francisco, I just think that they're going to pull away a little bit. Even If they're not the number one seed, they'll be the number two seed. Seattle will be right there, even though they both got two games against each other, right? That's still going to be good to see those two. Um, and then the Rams are still sitting right there. It's not a far fetch to say that the Rams cannot win that division, but it's going to be fun the way this NFC West plays out this uh, final eight games of the season. Yeah, and which division do you think is, is, is stronger? you think the, the North is stronger or the, the West is stronger? There's some good teams on, on both these divisions. Well, I think the West is stronger, and I really say that because – Arizona's really starting to figure it out. I mean, that's their they're three, four, and one. But if you watch them from today, from where they were week one, uh, you're like, okay, yeah, it's different. And they're doing it without David Johnson. You know what I mean? They're doing it, you know, without Eli Penny. You know, they, they've, they, you know, they've, they've, they're bringing in guys now, right? They traded this week for Kenyon Drake. To me, that tells me they're still all in. Like Arizona's like, no, we we got a shot. You know, we, we're if we're looking at the at the playoff picture right now, I know technically they are not in it, but they are only what one game out, two games out of it, really, right? The Minnesota's sitting at six and two, and I get it, but Cardinals feel like, hey, we're just two games out of it. We can get on a nice little run. We can even get to the playoffs. So that's why I wasn't really, you know, not necessarily shocked by that trade for Ken Drake uh, from the Miami Dolphins. They banged up at running back, and they needed an extra guy. So. You say, all right, we got one. We got another bell cow to go with what we got with David Johnson. That's not too bad for an offense that really needs to run the football. And Drake could catch the ball too, which yes, they, exactly. they'd love to use their running backs in, in the passing games. So uh, I thought that was a good trade for them. Even when Johnson comes back, they could have two guys that um, Kingsbury could utilize. Uh, but I think the, the Vikings will end up taking that, uh, that wild card spot. I just – you know, Kirk Cousins is playing really well right now, and obviously they have that defense that's uh, it's been so consistent for them. Um, it does feel like a more complete team, so I, I think the the Vikings and the Seahawks end up getting the two wild card spots. Well, we're about twenty minutes into this run the film week nine edition of the Athletic Podcast Network, and I can confirm that there have not been uh, any trades just yet, right? Except for one. We just got one. The Rams are going to send Aqib Tlaib, okay, who's on IR currently. He will be going to the Miami Dolphins uh, and a pick. So Aqib Tlaib, who was put on IR, we know the Rams have made a couple trades. Um, you know, right prior, they traded away Marcus Peters to Baltimore. They traded for Jalen Ramsey. And now they've traded a guy who's been on IR, Aqib Tlaib, to Miami. And a pick, so that's uh, 
that, that's pretty interesting to see the compensation kind of coming back for them as well. Uh, just quickly on that one before we go back to recapping the uh, the games of week number eight. Yeah, are they? Um, is this <laughs> kind of more scratch. of a, a? You still scratching nah, your head a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I wonder is it, is this a trade that they're they're that the Rams are trying to unload salary? So maybe the Dolphins pick isn't a great pick. That maybe they're they're giving a fifth round pick to take on that to leave contract, so they could pay Ramsey. Is that the intention? You think? I think the intention was to to get anything. Um, out of a guy that they knew that they was not in the long-term plans. He's in the final year of his deal. So it was more like they're not necessarily saving money, maybe saving money for the rest of this year, but they're getting uh, you know an expiring contract off the books. Um, and then you feel like you've got um, you know a ton of talent with your young guy. They drafted David Long, the corner out of Michigan, um, in, in the third round. So he's kind of been elevated. Troy Hill, they signed to an extension as well. So they feel like they're really good at corner and Jalen Ramsey has made them better knowing that they got one guy who could just really take away one side of the field. So this is a kind of a shocker. We had heard the rumors last week that Aqib Tlaib was on the trading block. And I guess, think about that. The two starting corners for the Los Angeles Rams in week one, eight weeks into the season, have now been traded. <laughs> Boy, I love the NFL. <laughs> I love the NFL, man. Oh, man. But now we turn to week uh, number week number eight, and and we review just a couple games from last week, um, and I think the biggest game that we wanted to see was another measuring stick, right? A, a measuring or a, a test for the 49ers, San Francisco 49ers. They came in, you know, obviously a team that's a lot of people are saying, can they be? Or are they going to be at six and zero? Who would they play? But I was interested to see them against Carolina. You never expect to just blow someone out like that, and especially a good team like that. They're a real good team. You know, this team will, will be around at the end of the year. Uh, they can run the ball. They play um, really good on defense. You know, our team was just ready to go. Everything was clicking. Uh, got a few turnovers. Defense um, set us up with some great field position. And we were able to capitalize on both of those. I want to see how they would fare against a you know a pretty good I think offense and a fairly uh, one of the better defenses every single year throughout the National Football League. I wanted to see how these two teams would kind of stack up. And Ted, I thought very quickly early on you could just see the difference with the 49ers and just their defense, their attitude, the way they played. I, I was, I, I, I'll say this: I was not shocked. That the at the 49ers won this game and they end up winning 51 to 13. I was just surprised at how easy at times they made it look offensively against the Carolina Panthers. What, what did you see? I mean, the defensive line just dominated again, which is which is, isn't surprise. Uh, but man, Joe uh, Nick Bosa just looks like looks like the re real deal. Like he might not be just in contention for defensive rookie of the year. He he might be up there in the candidates for defensive player of the year. I mean, he had three sacks. He had that um, that interception return for a touchdown. And it, it kind of reminded me of that uh, Khalil Mack game against the Panthers uh, a, a few years ago in 2016. He, he was just that dominant. And um, and, and like you, I, I, I kind of thought the Panthers might have had a little bit of a chance to upset the Niners in this game, but... Um, you know, I just didn't expect the Niners to win by this many points, and it just kind of reinforces uh, that the Niners are are a legit team. 
Uh, Panthers are really bad at defending the run, so that should have been a clue that this game could have been uh, a runaway because the, the Niners are so good at running the ball, and they, they rushed the ball for 232 yards against that uh, Panthers uh, defense. Uh, but I, I thought the Panthers would have a chance to uh, run the ball against the Niners too, because that's the one weakness that the Niners have is, is their run defense. And uh, they, they ran the ball decently with, with Christian McCaffrey, but um, just those, those sacks and the turnovers were, were too much to overcome, and, and the Niners won this game handedly. You know, when I was watching this game over and over, you know, I watched it kind of just um, just the first – I watched it the, the whole game, and then I came back to – let me just watch the first half again, Ted. And the more and more I come away, just just how impressed I am with Kyle Shanahan. And I've been impressed with him for a long time, having played against him in my NFL career and, and the offenses that, you know, he's kind of manned and, and, and really been able to call some outstanding plays. But when I watch him now, the creativity that I see within this offense with so many moving parts, motion, shift, guard pulls, uh, it just seems like everybody is going to be able to get involved. Ted. I mean, it's it is it, it's fun to it's, it's not it's fun, but it it is exciting to watch them on film because it's like you never know like what the next play is going to be. Like it's like okay, wow, and you can see so many different what I call caveats to certain plays where I'll see a ghost motion or I'll see a you know tight end or a fullback going across the formation where yet the ball is going the opposite way. And I'm like, oh, man, that's how difficult that is for a defensive player where you're like, okay, you're keying in, everything's going one way, but then all of a sudden here comes somebody else going the opposite way. I know they called the George Kittle touchdown back uh, because of a block, but that, that was like, that's one of those plays where the offense is going to the right and all of a sudden George Kittle leaks out for a screen, he's wide open and goes in for a touchdown. It's like, I mean, I am just saw so much creativity and then I think he's putting guys in the right situations. Like in terms of Tevin Coleman, we knew that he was a bell cow type of running back, but he split carries with Devontae Freeman, you know, for the first part of his career. And now all of a sudden you put him in that offense. And to me, like we saw how good he was in the Super Bowl, you know, kind of a couple years back. But watching him now run it with, you know, with what they have in San Francisco. It's he's putting that foot in the ground and going north and south. Like he has, like he's the perfect runner for Kyle Shanahan's system, and that's why I could tell. Like when John Lynch and and, and Kyle this offseason said we need to get we need another guy, I see why they went and grabbed him in free agency. He was the he's been he's been a lot more. I think they've gotten a lot more than I I would have uh, bargained for for sure. Yeah, and he just cost five million dollars to yeah. compare that to the Jarek McKinnon contract and. And basically, Tevin Coleman is everything they were hoping for from Jarek McKinnon. You know, he, he he could catch passes, he could run from under center, and he could run from the shotgun as well. And that opened up their offense too, because now now they're adding RPOs to all of the crazy wild motions they do from under center, and now they can do RPOs from shotgun. That's just another element that uh, defenses have to watch out for. I think they they score uh, Tevin Coleman's first big touchdown run was was on a R RPO uh, concept so you know that that offense you know, they could just they have so many different ways of running the ball and like you said they have so many uh, different things they use to make their running game harder to key key in on like you know RPOs and those those motion those, those shifts and man yeah you know, we, we talk about it every time we talk about the Niners but 
George Kittle is just he he's a monster blocking on on the edge, man. He he just you know he he just bowls people over. And there was a play where he he just pancaked Luke uh, Keekly. Uh, so yeah, the, the Niners are a hard team to stop. And I know Garoppolo is not putting up crazy numbers, and we he always has one one interception a game where you're just like, why would he throw that? I don't blame uh, him but, on that one though. Yeah, that one was <laughs> not as bad as some of the other interceptions right. that he, he's thrown this hey, year. You know what I mean? One of the best linebackers in the game. Play. He yeah. made a, a great play, play. Uh, That's yeah. the first thing that jumped out of my head, man. I, Jimmy Garoppolo, like like you mentioned, Ted, he hasn't had the, the biggest numbers, right? He's been efficient, though, 18 of 22, 175, and two touchdowns. But, man, I see that play that Luke Keekley made, and I'm like, I mean, there's not a lot of linebackers in the NFL who can make that play or even have the awareness – to know where they're at in coverage on an underneath route to where the, he had no help except the safety over the top. So he was able to undercut that. Like the thought process of what went into that interception, I was like, I can't blame Jimmy Garoppolo. That's just a hell of a play by a linebacker. Yeah. No, he, so the thing with Garoppolo is he's he gets a lot of first downs. He gets a lot Correct. of first downs and he goes for big throws. And that throw wasn't necessarily that bad, but I, th- I believe he's thrown an interception in every game so far this season. So that's a trend that you want to see him cut down. But at the same time, it's a, it's a kind of a risk reward thing with Garoppolo because he he is making a lot of big plays at the same time. But he's you know these turnovers happen, and it hasn't really hurt the Niners yet because they have such a good defense. But you know you don't want to see that in, in a big closer. Uh, game is a little tighter yeah no at at all and I think he's going to continue to get better but um you know offensively like I said I'm impressed and then look Emmanuel Sanders they basically incorporate him into this offense like it was just easy right he just acclimated himself like they made it an emphasis in the beginning of the game we got to get Emmanuel Sanders the ball and it looked like he's been there the whole entire season right I mean everything seemed quick um, he had the one-on-ones on the outside, and you could just see his experience route running is something that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to fall in love with because you could just tell he knows the field. He knows what the defense is trying to do, and he's just got to get to a spot, get to an area, and I think Jimmy can, you know, will find him a lot more than maybe some of the younger receivers, right? You know, like Pettis and a lot of those guys, they have to work extremely hard, and sometimes you don't know if they're going to be in that spot. I think – you know, something people have to remember is that Emmanuel Sanders played one of the great quarterbacks of the game and Peyton Manning. And when Peyton Manning was with the Denver Broncos and for the guys who I've talked to as well with Peyton, Peyton expects you to be in an area. Right. He's going to tell you, hey, look, on my back foot, I need you to be 18 yards in, you know, right here, two yards inside the hash. Right. If you're there, the ball's going to be right there waiting on you. And I think that's something that Jimmy is going to get now and feel more comfortable you know, with a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, an experienced route runner. Um, and kind of the last thing I was just thinking about this the other day, and Ted, you can help me out here, is we always talk about this Niners team and how good they are in terms of their record and look at the defense and Robert Sala, this, this and that. And I just start thinking about they've got a pretty darn good coaching staff too, right? When I mean, you can have like Wes Welker as a wide receiving coach, 
you know, D'Amico Ryans as a linebackers coach. You know what I mean? We're talking about guys who have played in the National Football League and played at an extremely high level. I mean, Bullock's the safeties coach. I mean, he came in, you know, one of the top safeties coming out of Nebraska. So they've got a good mix of coaches who have played in the league, who are just experienced and understand. I think a lot of that is why they seem to have so much fun while they're out there playing because I think a lot of guys just believe in what they're doing. No, for sure. And they, they all really buy into what Kyle Shanahan's doing. Every every time you hear one of these guys talk about Kyle Shanahan, they're always very glowing. You can tell like it, it's very genuine. Uh they 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 really believe that he knows exactly what he's doing and you know, you hear all these stories from uh how he installed plays and how detailed he is. And he, you know, he, there's some coaches that just will give you the what you need to know and kind of don't really break things down. Not you know, not because they assume you can't understand it, but they just feel like they don't have to waste time with that. And you just have to listen to them. But I think with Kyle, he he really breaks things down. He tells his players exactly why they they're doing this, why they're doing that, and I think they respect him for it. And uh, anytime you have total buy-in from your players and. I think they did a good job of collecting uh, certain characters in that locker room. They just have a really good vibe going with that team right now. For week nine previews and players to watch, go to theathletic.com slash run the film for a free seven day trial and 40% off subscription.